You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Thank you, David, for leading us through that meaningful prayer time. It's interesting, Allison and I spoke with her sister and husband, Uh, Last night in Australia, they're having devastating floods. So they're not getting nearly as much news as we are. But David is right. It's before our eyes, day in and day out. So we want to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in both countries and all over the world. People that are rushing to Give aid and please do check out those sites on Faith Life where you can give and and trust that your money is being used for the furtherance of the gospel, which is what we're talking about today. I do want to say before we get started, um, Allison and I both have had a miserable time with allergies this week and I had a miserable time in the first service. Pray that it won't be in this service. I would, for your sake, um, more so than mine. Well, March is here, but rather than focusing on basketball, although it would really, you know, might be, we are going to focus on March missions here at Grace. Okay, look, we've been focusing on missions for a couple of months already. We'll probably go another couple of months with a break for Palm Sunday and Easter, but we're going to enjoy a special focus in March that I think is going to be a blessing to all of us. This month, we're going to be in the book of Philippians, examining the special relationship between the Apostle Paul and the church at Philippi. The book of Philippians is as close as you can possibly get to a thank you letter from a missionary to a supporting church. When is the last time... You have written a hand, you have done, have written a note in handwriting. Allison, it's probably 10 minutes. How long ago did this service? She was probably writing a, a thank you note between. This is how I write thank you notes, you know, a little text that goes a long way. This was a handwritten thank you note to a supporting church in Philippians, Paul was not correcting any doctrinal or behavioral issues other than addressing a couple of dear ladies who were having trouble getting along with one another. Now, look, before you start to say, well, yes, okay, let's make a joke about that. Think of what this means about the important role that women played in the first century church. Women in most of the world in the first century were second-class citizens. But in the, in the body of Christ, they had enough influence to disrupt things. So Paul was saying, no, you can't do that. Paul thanked the believers in Philippi for their support, but he did not think of their monetary gifts as a financial transaction, but rather he knew, that the, he knew the hearts that were behind the dollars that were sent. And so he thought of the Philippians as partners in the work of spreading the gospel. A couple of things coming up this month that I think you're going to like. First, on three of the four Sundays, we're going to have different 
uh, members of the mission team who will serve on a panel. That will happen in just a few minutes today, and it'll happen on the third and fourth Sundays of the month. We'll talk about the partnerships that we have with the 16 missionaries that were listed and prayed for last week. Uh, you're going to enjoy these sessions where you'll learn about some of the ways that the t- this team serves our body. The second announcement is to tell you that the reason we will not be having a panel next week is that Joe Hunziker will be in town and he will be preaching. I'll probably do an interview with Joe and Stefania. Uh, and it's almost when Joe comes here and preaches, it's almost like the Apostle Paul getting out of COVID. No, wait, getting out of jail and going to a church that is dear to his heart. Joe is going to preach from the second half of Philippians one. The title of today's message is Partners with Our Missionaries in the Defense and Confirmation of the Gospel. It's taken from the first half of Philippians 1. I'm going to read the, ta- uh, the text, then I'll call our, our panel up for a few questions, after which I'll give three points of application. And then we will come to the Lord's table, and we'll get out on time. I promise you, well, no, that would be foolish for me to promise, but we're going to be close. So would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, overseers also could have, he could have said elders, pastors, all three of those terms are used interchangeably for church leaders. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you. I used to Put Philippians 1.3 on letters to my girlfriend in college. You know, this was the one that we all used. I thank my God. This is the kind of affection that Paul had for the people at Philippi. Always, in every prayer of mine for you, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul's like saying, it's almost like you're right here with me. In prison, we're sharing this together. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Is this reminding you of anything, this prayer? So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served 
to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, let me just stop for a minute because I'm not going to address this during the, the message. Paul did everything he could to stay out of prison. When he was in Jerusalem, when he got to Caesarea, he did everything he could to get out. But once he got to Rome, he understood how the Lord was using these circumstances. He was chained to a member of the Imperial Guard 24-7. The Imperial Guard were the elite troops of Rome. They, they, they guarded very special, important political prisoners. These guys went all over the empire on special missions for the emperor. And, it, and they were holding Paul captive. Or was it the other way around? They were a captive audience as Paul was sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And verse... 15, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you and be seated. Well, what you're about to witness is not improv. I promise you that. Uh, we're going to have members of our mission team to come forward. So I'm going to ask Josh Tate, Marguerite Strand, and Allison Talley, the loveliest lady in the house, to come forward. And we're going to conduct... An interview. Now, this is going to be happening three times this month, and it's going to give us a give you a taste of what the mission team does here at Grace, how the Lord is using them, and how they are serving our church on this team. So, I have some questions for you, Josh Tate. Uh, you have often talked about this. You talk about how. It's important for missionaries. You've served. We're going to hear where you've served and, and how the Lord used you on the mission field. You don't know this. In fact, I forgot to mention in the first service, Josh will tell you a little bit what he has done. But Josh has been instrumental in translating Scripture into a new language. This is a really cool thing. But Josh, you have talked about how it's important to distinguish from, between supporters and partners in the ministry. I know this is near and dear to your heart. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Thank you, Brad. Um, so like Brad said, I served with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and I served in Southeast Asia, so Indonesia, and I served in uh, predominantly a lot of regions that were 90% Islamic or Muslim, so very, very little representation of the gospel. Um, in fact, where I served... There was no representation of the gospel because the people did not have scripture in their own language. They did not have a Bible like we have. There was not a church yet established. So um, the missionaries that went there were the first. And so um, Erie and Jira and a lot of places like that. 
But partnership is very near and dear to my heart because um, a lot of the places I served in were very difficult places. And there were times where um, we, we had to evacuate. There's times where we went through very extreme circumstances and, and also times where I had gotten ill overseas. And my supporters weren't just, I felt like, weren't just financially um, supporting me but had a personal connection to me that they were personally on the field with me. There were many times where I remember very key instances in countries like Erie and Jaira, and I was the only person there with one other person, a co-translator, and things were going on, but I felt my supporters on the field with me. I felt that they were there with me and were woken up at times at night to pray for me. Um, people were woken up, and then it was spread along the, the prayer chain of, what was going on, and a lot of them not really learning specifics of what was going on until the next day. Um, and so not only that, but um, they would write letters. I would get letters. I would get mail. Some of them even came um, to see what I was doing uh, in the Philippines and came to see what I was doing. And so they, they were vested. And I felt like also, which was important, is I felt like I had accountability. I felt like I had an accountability to the churches I served, and that they had accountability to me, uh, to pray for me. Um, you know, it wasn't just, I didn't feel like they were in one area of the country and I was isolated by myself, but I felt like we had an mutual accountability and relationship, very strong relationship. That's cool, Josh. And, and so, I mean, that, that really happens where people are woken up in the middle of the night, and I believe you pointed to Barbara and Gary yes. Stevens. Gary's and I here. He's got bad back problems, having an MRI, so be praying for him. But Barbara and Gary were woken up in the middle of the night, and they prayed for Josh in a time when Josh needed that prayer. The Lord uses us all in the body of Christ in this work of missions, but especially so when we're partners and not just supporters. Well, speaking of support, though, Marguerite, one of the things I've appreciated for a long time about your burden for missions is that the gospel be proclaimed, not just humanitarian work. Now, I want to point out, David was talking about the need for humanitarian assistance right now in uh, Ukraine and Russia. And yes, we absolutely need to rush there. And in fact, we need to do that without necessarily trying to get a witness in. Right now, people need help desperately, and sometimes the foundation is late. But it's important that our missionary dollars be spent where the gospel is proclaimed. Will you want to talk a little bit about your burden and how the team thinks about this issue? Sure. We can't be there to hear what they're saying <clears throat> and how they're preaching, what they're doing with people. So we can't really verify that the gospel's being said, but there's things that we can do to help. Um, the first one is that there has to be a GCC connection. They either have to be a member of our church or know somebody in our church that can say, yes, they're mature, they're gospel-centered, and they're strong Christians. And that way we know what their, <clears throat> their mindset is, and it's not just somebody going out there wanting to do stuff. Um, all, almost all of our uh, international missionaries are connected to an organization. So in some ways, we trust that organization to know them and know that they're staying on track. Our domestic uh, missionaries are supposed to be belonging to a church so that they're under somebody's authority 
somebody knows what their their thought patterns are. Um, also, uh, newsletters. We have requested from all of our missionaries that they send us an update at least quarterly. Um, and that way we have an idea of what's going on with them, how to pray for them. Um, next we have home groups. Every home group has one or two missionaries that they are supposed to be keeping in contact with, lifting up in prayer, hopefully that's supporting them in other ways. Uh, and finally we've got visiting missionaries. I wish Joy Bond could have talked today because she was here. But <coughs> Joe uh, Hunziker is coming next week. He's going to speak to us. We're going to be able to hear him and be able to keep contact with him and feel, you know, try to connect with him while he's here besides just listening to him. Yes, thank you. Uh, we're going to be hearing from a lot of our missionaries this year. Joy was here, and Allison's going to actually address indirectly one of these things. Um, but Joy is very weak from, she's got long COVID, and so she's been in this weekend. It was so great to see her this morning, but she just wasn't in any shape to have that kind of participation. But we're continuing to support. Allison, you've served on mission teams before, and you've been on this mission team almost as long as you've been here. In fact, we used to have one, kind of fell by the wayside, and you were part of the early reconstitution of our mission team. Tell us what the team does and a little bit about what changes you've seen and the growth you've seen. Yes, it's been a joy of mine to be have been on the mission team here for 11 plus years now. And the Lord really birthed missions in my heart when I was a teenager. And then I went to India and served over there for two and a half years. So missions is very, mm -hmm. very dear to my heart. And um, it's been just an awesome experience to see what the Lord has done in growing our team. I so appreciate every member of the team and the different um, qualities and attributes and emphases that they bring that just all put together make for a beautiful working of uh, God, really, in his work in missions. And so um, I want to share with us three guiding principles that have been really, really important to us, three from the earliest of days. And the first of, the, of which is we desire to support our own. And by that I mean those who have been part of our body here at Grace, who have served here in, in ministry in, in the years that they've been here, and who then the Lord has called to go out onto the mission field. And Joy is a wonderful example of that. Um, she had served here for, for many years. She played violin on our worship team. And then the Lord took her to Kenya, where she was serving as a medical missionary prior to her getting COVID and having to come back home for long-term care. But um, we have a real heart for that. And the second is that before going broader, we really want to go deep with our missionaries. <laughs> So we don't want to have 100 missionaries on our board out the back there in the lobby. I mean, there's not room for that anyway. But it also defeats the purpose of being able to really connect with them, as Josh was sharing, about entering into their life and being involved with them, even from afar. We can't do that if we're supporting too many missionaries. One of the big dilemmas for all of us on the team is we all have a heart to want to say, yes, 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 we will support you. But as we seek the Lord, this is something that God has really birthed in our hearts in the earliest of days. So we, we want to be faithful in fully supporting every aspect 
of our missionaries in their life. Um, the third is that we are committed to partnering with our missionaries all the way through, even into retirement. Some of our older missionaries, as they come off the field, uh, they don't have retirement plans. They weren't encouraged to have those when they first went to the mission field. And so if they have needs in their retirement, we want to be able to continue to partner with them and love them and support and provide for them in those years of their life. We currently have $100,000 that we are giving to missions as part of Grace Community Church. And I think that is, that is an amazing thing. And we desire to steward that well and to work with the elders. One of the, the beautiful things with our mission team is as we meet and talk and pray and discuss different things, we submit those to the elders and work carefully and, and in, um, hand in hand with them in those decisions. Over the years that I have been involved here, we've had several different leaders of our mission team. Um, when I first came onto the team, it was during the days of Sean Cross, who many of you will remember. And he was heading up the team at that point. And then Mike Sodling headed up our team. And he had a very, um, a great impact on our team in helping us think through biblical principles, think through um, important aspects that we were to focus in on. He has a real um, worldwide part for missions and so was able to be very instrumental in helping us establish some of those guiding principles. <coughs> and then Chris Pope, who served us for many, many years, uh, followed by Jeff Kelly and now Brad Talley. And so we, uh, just as a team, uh, delight in serving the body here at Grace. And it, we are really just a part of you all and grateful for the opportunity to serve in this way. Thank you very much. One of the things that Jeff Kelly did for the mission team was to put us onto a book by Andy Johnson called Missions. It's just a nine marks book. If that, is, that would be a great book for every single person in the church to read. Thank you guys. Any last words? Got any extra thoughts? Anything you want to say? I'm going to have to preach longer if not. I'm just kidding. There's no problem with that. Thank you guys very much for being up here this morning. Thank you for helping out. Very much. I better get this back over. If you're new here to Grace, whether this is your first Sunday or if you've been here for, for a month or so, welcome in the first place. But secondly, I, I want you to know that this is not our normal pattern for preaching here at Grace. We typically go through a book, and while we might not go through verse by verse, it's at least paragraph by paragraph, units of thought. It's kind of the way the Bible was written. There are all kinds of genres, though. So some is narrative, some is poetry. Uh, the didactic sections of Scripture, like the New Testament epistles, usually are in paragraph forms of thought. And so that's the way we go through it. Expository preaching is standard fare for the Sunday morning sermons, but topical series like this series on missions 
have their place in the rotation. Mark Dever, who heads up Nine Marks Ministry, said that ex expository preaching is a mindset. So whatever text you're in, you want to do right by the text. You don't want to just find have a point and go to a text and then make your point and just leave it alone. In fact, Philippians, the whole book is a thank you letter for missionary support. And so we're looking at it from that aspect. I say all this so that you'll know our usual approach to preaching is to go through books. And then I want to uh, have three points of application this morning uh, that we'll make from today's Lengthy texts, they're all valid points found in the text, but they're suited to the topic of missions. The first point being, all believers are called to the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And then I've got in parentheses of grace. Paul talks a lot about grace in this chapter. You heard from Marguerite Strand how committed our church is to the proclamation of the gospel. There are a lot of individuals and organizations that do fine humanitarian work, but if that is their primary focus and the gospel gets proclaimed, if it's possible, maybe in a private conversation, if it's not central to their mission, then we are not going to commit funds in that direction. I don't mean to be hammering and saying those organizations aren't worthwhile. Many times they are doing the work of the Lord in that way. But gospel proclamation is our primary standard for supporting missionaries. Furthermore, if local church promotion is not a significant component of the missionary's thinking, then that's not where we're going to commit our missionary dollars. That doesn't mean that all of our Missionaries that we support are involved in specifically in local church ministry, but the counselors that we support, the campus ministers that we support, the organizations that minister to the family like Hand of Hope and Amazing Grace Adoptions, all of those people are connected with local churches and they're constantly pointing the people to whom they minister toward local churches. Transworld Radio, same thing. So <clears throat> it's important to us that, that the people that we support are engaged in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Look at verse 7. Paul says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers. That sounds like partnership, not just support. Partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the, of the gospel. So when Paul talks about the defense of the gospel, is he being defensive? Well, not in the way we think of being defensive. The church has been given the responsibility to be guardians of the truth of the gospel of grace. Why is that so important? Because seeking to win God's approval in the approval of others is a default position for every human being. All of us in some way or another, you think about all the other religions. All the other religions are trying to be good enough so that God will accept them. But Christianity 
the message of, of the gospel is the exact opposite. People don't like being told that they're sinners. And that's a problem because acknowledging one's sin is a necessary step in a relationship with God. Only when we recognize our sin and confess our sin can we understand that without Jesus' sacrifice on the cross on our behalf as payment for our sins, then we cannot be saved. We can never be good enough. Drift is a persistent danger. The proclamation of the truth, the protection of the truth, the guarding of the truth of the gospel is far more fragile than you might think. So it is up to the mission team to insist on our behalf as a church that the gospel be preached by the missionaries with whom we partner. And as we partner with them, we hold one another accountable. We hold them accountable. They hold us accountable to the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And the gospel is not good news. God will make you good enough so that you may be able to be good enough. God will give you the strength. No. The good news is this. You will never be good enough, but Jesus is, was, and is good enough. And your salvation is in him and him alone. So rest in that beautiful truth. Amen. Second, partnerships in the gospel produce lasting fruit. Paul reminded the Philippians in our text that they had been partners with him in ministry from the first day they met. Now, a while ago when I was talking about expository preaching gives you context. And topical preaching can kind of be here, 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 and all over the place. And while there's room for both, you miss something if you miss the context. You probably don't think of Philippians 1.6 in a ministry sort of way. Let's read it. Philippians 1.6. It, it, it is in the context of a gospel partnership between a church and its missionaries. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion the day of Jesus Christ. How have you always thought about this verse? You think about it in your personal walk with the Lord, don't you? God is going to do a good work in me and it's going to, he's going to bring it to completion. And it's very fair for you to apply this verse in that way. But all of Philippians 1 can be read in the context of ministry, gospel ministry, both here and abroad. Here and other places through our missionaries. So we're deeply moved by the relationship that Paul had with the Philippians believers and by the encouragement that he gave them as individuals, but he was talking about gospel ministry, partnership in gospel ministry. Was Paul thinking about his own evangelism efforts or theirs? Yes, that's right. Our missionaries depend on our, our support, right? Well, they depend on God, but God has chosen in his wisdom and in our plan, in his plan for us, to use us to support their ministries. 
Here's another question. You're going to know this answer immediately as well. Same answer. Are we more helpful to our missionaries and their spiritual growth and gospel ministry? Or are they more helpful to us? Once again, yes. We need to think more in terms of partnership than support. And then last. Persecution is an opportunity for gospel spread. And... For satanic division within the church. Even so, rejoice that the gospel is preached. I was talking with someone this week about how wily Satan is. When he's tempting you and, and, and he's telling you, it's no big deal. Everybody does that. Oh, come on. Come on. It's a, it's a fine thing for you to do. And then you do the thing and he's like, I cannot believe you did that. What a disgusting person. Satan is, is brilliant. And in 2 Corinthians, I'm pretty sure, just pulling this up in my mind, when Paul says we are not, Ignorant of Satan's devices, he's talking about unity in the church and the commitment to the truth of the gospel proclamation. One of the great challenges that missionaries face on the field is getting along with other missionaries. What a sad, sad thing. So when you pray for your, our missionaries, pray for them in this area. The opponents that Paul mentioned in Philippians 1, were almost certainly believers who preached the gospel. Otherwise, <clears throat> he would have blasted them. If they were preaching a false gospel, he would have called them out and said, if you run across these guys, don't have anything to do with them. But he was grateful that the gospel was being preached, even if they were acting childishly and foolishly and thinking that Paul's imprisonment was proof that their support of or opposition to masks and vaccines was the correct one. You didn't realize it had been around for that long, but it has been. And when I say this, I'm smacking my own hand. I'm not just throwing shade on you. Did I use that right? Throwing shade. If it is indeed possible and even likely that somewhere in the 21st century, the American church will find itself in a situation like the church in the first and second centuries in the Roman Empire under persecution, then we're going to need one another. The one behavioral issue for which the Apostle Paul gently admonished the Philippian church members was the difficulty that these two women, Yodia and Syntyche, in the church we're at odds with one another. And, and he was saying, please don't do this. Die to yourselves and serve together in harmony. If you come into Grace Community Church and you say, man, there is real unity in this church. No, two things. One, it was hard one. We haven't always been this unified. And two, it is fragile. Our unity is fragile. It could be at any point someone asked Jim McLaughlin one time, how's the health of the church? He said, well, it's like physical health. You're fine today. Go to the doctor tomorrow. And they give you a call and say, we need to talk. We don't know. Pray for the unity here. 
pray for our missionaries on the field. And I've mentioned this just recently. We have a wonderful example of a missionary who served on the far, on a foreign field in Budapest, Hungary. Dennis Beck, we still support Dennis. He's part-time in Ohio, part-time in, in um, Hungary. And Dennis and Linda, I may have mentioned this last week, both behind the Iron Curtain, so they know what it's like in that part of the world. Uh, Brian Ratledge served in Slovakia, judge in Raleigh now. I believe he may have served in Russia some as well. So there are a lot of people that know what's going on, but one of Dennis's best ministries was helping missionaries get along with one another. Pray for our missionaries on the field. One of the ways that God reminds us of the centrality of the gospel is to instruct the church body to gather frequently at the Lord's table and participate together in the Lord's Supper. So as the worship team comes and as elders and deacons come to help serve in at the table, I'm going to give us instructions on how this is going to go down. We're going to be participating in the Lord's Supper. We will have an elder or a deacon in front of each of the sections of the church, all the four sections. Ushers will help you come forward uh, in the interior aisles. <clears throat> You'll receive your packet up front. This is not going to be long. These packets are not long for our time at the Lord's table here at Grace. I want to go ahead and tell you that the elders and deacons have decided unanimously that we need to go back to the uh, serving of, of bread and juice separately. And the bread will be offered to you. And as Bert said, we've been sharing germs for 2,000 years, you know, and we know that COVID's not uh, transmitted by contact or I've never, I haven't heard of one situation where that's the case. But So we'll be going back to that. But for this morning, take your packet, go back to your place, and wait for us to share in this meal together. So I'm going to pray for us, and then the worship team will come. They have partaken in the first service, so we'll not be serving them in this service. But the elders and deacons are going to be up front. You'll come forward as the ushers give instruction. And then afterwards, we will share together uh, the Lord's Supper. Father, thank you so much for your marvelous plan that has what we would consider to be horrific elements to it. To think about Jesus in the garden asking, Father, if there is any way that this cup can pass, please let it do. Nevertheless, your will be done. And your silence shouted loudly of your love for us. The Savior who went willingly to the cross died while bearing our sins. As you poured out your just and righteous wrath on Jesus instead of us. And when we hide behind the cross...
we're safe. And so, Father, if there are those here today who don't know you, may this be the time that in their hearts they say, Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I am. And I can never be good enough. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me. Come into my heart and save me, Lord Jesus. Save me now. Lord, thank you for this meal that reminds us of your sacrifice. You didn't call us together to remember you come into earth the first time, nor to remember the resurrection, although we do think of every Sunday as Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, nor of your coming again, but you called us, commanded us to remember the death, and to remember the body and blood of Jesus. And so we give thanks for this meal, and if there are sins in our lives that we need to confess, then a moment will be taken now for us to do that. And may we do it knowing that you forgive us if we've asked a hundred times this week. We confess again our sin. And rejoice in your forgiveness as this meal reminds us you forgive. So if you need to pray and just ask the Lord to forgive you, then this is the time to do it in your heart silently. Father, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We confess that we have done things we ought not to have done, and we have left undone things we ought to have done. We thank you for the forgiveness that is in Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.